Welcome to the Wicked Radio Network. Hi, this is Angela Freeman, and I'm back. This is Angela's Awesome Podcast. This is Season two, I'm here podcasting in Ketchum, Idaho, out of my little personal training studio and Joy Coaching Headquarters 2016. So, yay, I'm back. Um, before we jump into today's program, I just want to give a little shout out to my former co host, Heno, who basically is the entire reason why Angela's odd awesome podcast exists. I couldn't be more thrilled with what happened. Summer of 2014. I had just got done with yoga school a few months ago and I wasn't sure what to do next. And I, it became really clear to me through some prayer meditation that I just needed to say yes. So I said, okay, no matter what, I'm just going to say yes. And less than a week later, my friend Heno said, Hey, Angela, do you want to do a podcast? And I'm like, yes. What's a podcast and what do you mean? What are we going to do? Um, and he just started laughing because I definitely said yes before I knew the details. And the rest is history. We have, I think it's around 60, 60 previous podcasts from season one. Um, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Heno asked. I'm so thankful that he produced every single one of those episodes and showed up and brought his best self. And if you're listening, Heno, I just want you to know that um, I am forever grateful for not only you helping me get this podcast going, but for all the time I got to spend with you. It was amazing. So thank you. And those of you that are huge Heno fans, like I am, you can find him on a number of different podcasts. Uh, those links will be in the show notes. And so you can look for him there. And in the meantime, here I am. Angela's Awesome Podcast. I'm Angela. Okay, um, for those of you that are just starting with the podcast that didn't listen to season one, that's totally fine. Just a teensy bit about me. Uh, I've been a personal trainer for 16 years. I live in Ketchum, Idaho. Uh, I'm an eating psychology coach. My main teacher is Mark David. He is the founder and director of the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the psychology of eating, it's super duper cool. I love it. And basically, in a nutshell, the psychology of eating is all about who we are as eaters. So most of us, when it comes to making health changes and addressing health challenges or eating challenges, we're all about what are we eating, how much are we eating. And really, those things are somewhat important, of course, but equally, if not more important, is who we are as the person eating, how we feel about what we're eating, what state of mind we're in as we're eating, what time of day we're eating it, um, how things are going in the relationships with the people we're eating it with or the people that are skipping dinner because they're mad at us or working late or whatever. So, so many times real life stuff shows up and manifests in how we feel about our food, our bodies, our exercise programs, our health. So, 
The psychology of eating is all about addressing things from another perspective instead of just full-on trying to manipulate what, when, and how we eat. So it's very fascinating. That's definitely one of the standpoints I bring to this podcast. Uh, I'm also sober. I've been sober for 12 years, so that's a huge part of my story. Um, I was a party girl and an exercise bulimic and and a workaholic, and I'm in recovery from all of those things. In fact, I'm pleased to say that I have recovered contingent on my spiritual condition from all of those things, which is very exciting. So I do bring that perspective to this podcast. And recently, my new take in 2016 is I'm now teaching uh, an eight-week course on raising your joy level in your life. And that is leading me into the day's topic. What I'm going to do for this podcast and the next eight podcasts are I'm going to be feeding into a live group coaching session that I'm running on Tuesday nights here at my gym. And tonight's session is all about obstacles equal opportunity. And the reason why this is really important is because the overall goal of these eight weeks is to help people raise their joy level and One of the things that we need in order to raise our joy level is we need to be able to have a sense of joy or deep-seated well-being even when obstacles come up. And just as a side note, joy has a lot of different meanings. If you look it up, uh, Google it with your smartphone that you're listening to this uh, podcast on right now, or if you look it up in a dictionary. But the definition that I'm going with when I'm talking about raising our joy level is the definition that says joy is a state of very deep sense of well-being. So living in a state of well-being. So rather than saying to yourself, everything's going to be okay, you know in your heart that everything is absolutely okay. So in order to have that type of a joy level 100% of the time, because my feng shui coach today said that 98% is not going all the way, so now we're bumping it up to 100%. So in order to have that 100% of the time joy level, we need to find a way to look at obstacles and crises different. Because as long as we're alive here on planet Earth, obstacles and crises are going to come up. And if obstacles and crises are coming up and we want to live at a 100% joy level, we need to be able to develop a sense of well-being within the crisis or within facing the obstacle. So that's what tonight's session is all about. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll have a little outtake at the end. Um, And now, here we are, live at the gym. All right. Or is it like... What is What's happening? Okay, welcome. Okay, welcome to Tuesday. Jeannie, that's exactly what it is. So Tony Robbins, when you go and you start to talk with him, he he goes through this big long thing, which we're not going to do tonight because we don't have 16 hours for like what he does, which is pretty amazing. But he basically, and, it, and Lisa Cuddy, Lisa Cuddy? No, Cuddy. Um, she does a TED Talk. Cut. Anyway, I'll look that up. But she also talks about how our energy changes when we do different poses. And anyone who's ever done yoga knows that the positions we put our body in. It's Cuddy. K U no C U D D Y. 
but I don't know what her first name is. I'm saying Lisa because that's from the House series. So, what we're going to do tonight to start with, mainly because this is what I need to do, but I think you guys will like it because I haven't been feeling well, is we're going to do, we're not going to figure out our move tonight, although I like genies. Um, and if you have it, that's good. But we're just going to spend about two minutes changing the vibration with a little help, a little help. from our friends. So stand up, put your little sheets on there, step behind the chairs. I'm kind of happy it's just the small group Oh, wow. And let's just take a moment to shake it out. Dust is who mashed that. I don't know who that is, but thank you, Lobster Dust and Nelly and Bee Gees, and you guys for being good sports. All right, here we are. Obstacles equal opportunities. So 
two stories to start with really quick. First of all, today, I am out in Adams Gulch with Lucky, of course, because that's how we roll. We go outside all the time. And we're getting ready to come meet Hillary for her training session here at the gym. Get in the car, we're driving out. There's a huge truck that's completely stuck and there's no way out. So talk about an obstacle, right? And I immediately was like, all right. And Lucky was immediately like, this is a very good opportunity for you to let me out of the car again. So um, I texted Hillary, or I called Hillary, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out. Call me back. And then we just immediately turned around, and Lucky went for another 20 minutes. Tried to get out again, because I saw people getting out, get back in the car. Again, they're stuck right as we get there. So again, I'm thinking, OK, what are we going to do? And Mr. Pants, my co-coach, he like says, let me out. And he just took the 20 minutes that it took us to get out to just snow surf up the mountain and come back down. So he's a living example of how an obstacle can be a huge opportunity. Do not shoot your sleeping bag. That no. tag on the sleeping bag is his obstacle. Yes, it's an opportunity to shred a, his bed. So, um, and the second thing I was going to tell you, I was going to mention is, you know, I know everyone here has a lot of spiritual tools, is on the path that we're all on together. But isn't it the truth, and this was my experience this weekend, that when the shit actually hits the fan is the hardest time to actually use what you know? And it was perfect timing for me to get really sick because honestly, I was sitting there and the tools you know, have you guys ever seen that Seinfeld episode where Kramer's dropping things out the back and it's just like, that's how it was. The toolbox was just getting thrown out the back of the car. Like, oh, I, oh yeah, I know that. I'm not doing that. Oh, I know that. You know, it's like, it's perfect, especially when you have someone who's a friend that's like, I'm really hurting. I got all this stuff going on and you're like, oh, well, what about that? I know that. I know that. You know, and then that they don't want to do it. And I mean, I was just like, okay, plenty of room for spiritual growth. That's what I'm going to tell you. So this is perfect for me to be talking about this because that was a definite obstacle and I'm still in it a little bit. Um, obstacles equal opportunity. I put on the cover sheet here, um, Jeannie and Hill have a different one than you guys, but it's the same thing basically. It says that when it comes, we just adjust how we react to it. And I know everybody here knows this, so I'm not coming at this like this is some idea that I need to sell you on. I just have some ideas on how to actually practice cultivating, getting so that that happens easier. And I am going to tell you right now, after this weekend, I have plenty of room to use a lot of these tools myself. Um, so here we go. So we're going to just jump in. Second page. Yes, Bill. So when the wind changes direction and you have an obstacle in front of you, do you, is there a choice point in there, or do you, I tend to get triggered, and I forget the tools. Mm -hmm. Yes. I tend to get caught up in my world, and shit, this is all happening, and I don't remember the tools. What do you do to get back to that space where you, this that is, is an opportunity, this is That a is a perfect question. Um, and basically, that's what tonight's talk is about. That's, we're going to dive into that. And as we get in there, 
we're gonna, I'm gonna tell you basically some of the things I think are important that I do that have helped me in being able to do this better, and I have room to grow, but it's better. It's better. Um, but there's not one part of me that believes that we're not gonna, that we're ever gonna get to a point where we're never triggered. I think that the journey and the healing comes from that we get triggered, we recognize it sooner, we don't have to sit in it as long. When I first got sober, I was convinced that if I did the program well and gave it my 1,000%, which I did, that I, wasn't, that I was gonna get to a point where I wasn't gonna make all these mistakes anymore and I wasn't gonna feel all this stuff that I was feeling anymore. I would just float through life with grace and everything would be good. So I had this idea that if I just tried harder, that this was gonna be what happened. And the longer I'm in recovery, both it from sobriety but also in this work, the more I realize that it's not about that, it's about when it happens, how long does it take me to remember what to do? Not if it's gonna happen or if I do it well enough, it's not gonna happen because it is gonna happen. There is a process. I can't skip it as much as I want to and we're gonna talk about that. But the more I cultivate some of the things that I wanna just mention tonight, which we also know, I just kinda of put them in order, the, the, the sooner that that happens. But being triggered is part of being a human because we all have a lot of things that trigger us. And I think it's a lifelong thing because I know a lot of people that have done a lot of work, pretty good friends with some people that have done a lot of work and they still get triggered, but they don't buy into it. That's the thing, that's the difference. And the other big piece, which isn't in here, but I will say is one big major turning point for me with that was when I realized I was going to get triggered and have reactions and I stopped judging the fact that that was true and I stopped judging myself for having that because that was one of the things that, that was one of the things that kept me stuck because I would have something happen, get triggered, whatever, you know, there's several things you could pick from that trigger me and then it would just take so long to get out of it. But part of it, as my mentors pointed out, was because I would judge myself being triggered. So that just slowed everything down. That was like the engine's got a problem and instead of just taking it to the mechanic or letting it cool off, I'd take a hammer to it and then wonder why it was so much harder to fix because I would judge it. So. Great question, I hope this helps. And we're gonna definitely have time at the end to talk more about it because there may be more ideas from everybody here after we spend a little time. So very, very briefly, obstacle defined. I'm defining it tonight as something that obstructs or hinders our progress. Anything that trips us up, big or small, or something that feels like a crisis. So crisis and, and obstacle are maybe not exactly the same, but I'm gonna use those things interchangeably because I feel like this sort of can address both. Um, and this is um, from our guy, Wayne, who's Hi. no longer, oh, Caroline, hello, welcome. Um, who's no longer with us on this plane of existence, but Wayne Dyer. And this is another point that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this talk, and that was that, you know, 
sometimes it's the little things that trip us up more than the big things. And that's what he's talking about in this, about pole vaulting over mouse turds. And anyone who's been in 12-step has heard that. And, and if you haven't, then basically, you know, a lot of people in 12-step, particularly alcoholics, we can get like, you know, we get hit by a car and we're going to like pull out the acceptance tool and, and talk about all these, you know, great tools. But if we get a, the flu all weekend, we're a disaster because, you know, so it's like tripping over your own shoelaces can just really put you out of commission. But like actually getting your toe chopped off, you're, you're just going to, you know, dig in. You know, you're just, it's crazy and it's not logical. And I don't think that that's limited to alcoholics. I think that oftentimes when it gets really bad, we know to go to therapy or go to our friend or go wherever, but when it's just this little thing. So I just wanted to also just mention that, you know, part of this is for the little things. Um, interesting. Okay, so that's what that little quote is about. I just love that. Um, okay, so why, and I think Again, I'm talking to a group of people that know the why, but I want to just establish that and just remind us all the importance of it because, um, and this was helpful for me, so hopefully you'll find this helpful. So why do we care about making, you know, treating, why not just get bummed out or fight them or, you know, get irritated? So one of the reasons is because we all want to increase our joy level. That's why we're here. And by joy level, to redefine that, what I'm calling joy is a sense of well-being, that deep sense of well-being, not happy, 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 I can't stand it, I'm so happy, like when we were doing our dance, but that deep sense of well-being. Everything is okay. Everything is okay. Not everything's going to be okay, everything is okay. Like we're cultivating that. That's what we're looking for with this eight weeks. That's what I'm looking for with this entire year. That's what my, that's where I'm setting the steering wheel for me, and that's where I want us all to go together is just more of that. Um, so that's one reason why is because if we want to increase our joy level, we need to learn how to view obstacles or crises as opportunities because life is going to continue to hand us obstacles and crises. It's part of being a human being. And the Tao, the Tao saying, 10,000 sorrows and 10,000 joys. My mentor has said that to me 20 times. You know, 10,000 sorrows and 10,000 joys. 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. Like, we, when we start to, to be able to navigate those things with this nice evenness with both, that's where we get that sense of well-being all the time. And it's, that's, that's recovery 2.0 or 10.0 or something up there. So that's one reason. To increase our joy, we need to be able to find that well-being even when the 10,000 sorrows come in the form of crisis or obstacle. And then the second why that I came up with, and I'm sure there's more whys, but this is the second one that I came up with, is our experience can benefit others. So when I've walked through three major three major crises in my life that really felt like I wasn't sure, I just wasn't sure how this was gonna go. And once I, but now having those experiences has been gigantic for me. I've, one of them was getting sober. 
One of them was getting sober. Getting sober was one of the big crises of my life. I didn't get sober because it was a great idea. I got sober because I was in crisis, right? And for a long time within that, it sure didn't feel like this is awesome. I'm so excited about this opportunity. Like, uh-uh, that's not it. But now that's a huge gift to me personally. And it's a huge thing that I can also pass on. Because I have had women come to me that have said, I want what you have. Please help me get sober. And I can be like, okay. And one of the women, she had the same first year as I did. It was terrible. And it was amazing because all I could say to her every time is I was like, I'm so sorry. This is how hard it is. And all I can say is it's going to get better. And all else I can say is I have actually, I actually can tell you I know how this feels. I was absolutely there. There is something about that shared experience. So when we're going through things, as we learn to cultivate this sense of joy and this well-being, one of the things that comes up for me now, and it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction, is how is this going to benefit someone else? How can I help somebody with this? How can I possibly be? It's just become that way. And part of that's because I'm a teacher. That's just part of my DNA, and we all have different archetypes that are part of our DNA, but that also can apply. Like there's something greater than ourselves. So that's my second why. And I love that quote, that the world is changed by your example, not your opinion. That is, that is way more helpful. I want to hear from you how it went for you. I don't want to hear from you. This is how I think it should go for you. This is a really good idea. Like, not that that's not helpful in some things, but when someone's been there, this is how it felt for me, That's, that carries so much more weight with me. When I, um, you ever look at anybody, like, you know, read somebody's credentials on the internet or like, you know, like there's this one, okay, so I did these liver flushes, right, to get well when I was sick. That was my second crisis. I got really sick for two years. And there's this protocol, and you Google this guy, and there's all this, information online and there are these haters I mean he has haters it's the amazing liver and gallbladder flush but what's really interesting is the, there's people that just can't stand can't say enough good things I would be one of them and then there's the haters like this guy's a quack whatever but the haters are like he did this and he does that and this isn't true these opinions and all the people like I have yet to find a, a someone saying I tried this it didn't work for me I hate this guy. Like everybody that had a positive thing was like, they were sharing their experience. This is what I did. This is what's happening. I followed this. This is what happened. Like we're not trying to sell this guy. I'm just telling you this is what happened. And I'm one of those people. And that carries a lot more weight with me. When I'm reading someone like, what's your experience? Have you been there? So that's another reason why I think this is a really important concept. And then number three. Of course, as a recovered alcoholic, I have to tell you, it just feels better. <laughs> it doesn't feel good to be struggling in crisis. And I happen to be one of those people that likes to feel good. And the more you feel good, the more you start to crave feeling good. And before I got sober, I actually was addicted to drama and I didn't know it. And I was kind of in that. And um, so, it just feels better. You know, my third crisis was um, a couple years ago when I got through the, so I got sober, then I got sick about seven years later for two years, and then the last crisis that I had so far in my 
46 years, was we were on the verge of losing this gym and losing our house, which is kind of a big deal. You know, this is where my husband and I both work and we live here and it was terrifying. And I got to tell you, I finally started looking at it as an opportunity and I started evolving it spiritually because here's my big reason. Are you ready? I got tired of feeling stressed out all the time. That's it. No noble reason. No, none of this. Like I wanted to help other people. No, whatever. I just was over it. And I was looking ahead at my financial situation and I decided that I didn't want to live like this for the next 5, 10, 15 years. I didn't know how, I didn't know if it was going to change. So I said to Rob, I said, I'm done. And every month when I sat down to pay the bills, this is what I literally did. God, you know what my bills are. <laughs> if you want me in the gym, here we go. And then I'd pay what I could pay and I wouldn't pay what I could pay and and I just decided to be happy anyway. And guess what? At the end of my rope, I was at the end of my rope. They say in recovery groups, the end of your rope is the most spiritual place. That was definitely my experience. Because at that point, I surrendered. At that point, I was like, you can have the gym. You can have my house. Just show me where you want me to go. I have this skill set. You want me to learn another skill set? Just show me where to go and help me. Just help me. Please help me. And I'm still here. I don't know how, but I actually, I get it's God's will. I'm still here. And when I say God, I don't mean to offend anybody. I mean higher power or whatever. You guys just insert, you know, the universe, energy, source, energy, whatever. I just kind of use those interchangeably too because it's easier. So those are the three whys that I came up with, why we would do this. And now we're going to talk about the how. So I have three points. I am positive there are more ways to do this. These are the three that kept landing for me as I got ready for this talk. Um, they just kept, I just, I, I just kept coming up. So um, we're going to go through these three, and then I'm, they may sprout more ideas for you guys. Um, so the first thing that I think is really important and it sets the baseline for being able to look at this these, is to set up your connection with whatever your source is at the beginning of the day. So when we're depending on our own self, we're going to be in trouble. And I don't care if it's even as much as, like I said this before, and I'm just going to repeat this real quick, that you know, when I first landed in recovery, there was... I had a really hard time with this, anything that had to do with God. And I couldn't, I, I, I think I was almost atheist. I was agnostic, but I, I just really had a hard time with finding even a word that worked. I was so triggered, triggered. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, that's another whole story. Um, and I ended up reading this book by this man who was in, um, actually he wasn't in, um, he was in a food program, 12-step program. And he had the same issue. And he actually, his solution around it was, that he considered it tapping into his higher self. So he didn't even consider it an energy outside of himself, but he considered his higher self and his ego self and other selves, and I can't remember all the other things, but that's what really stuck with me. So it doesn't matter what you call it as long as it's not coming basically from your ego self or your lower self. So when we 
start our day with the intention that I live a spiritual life, I live in the solution, I trust in a power greater than myself, then we are cultivating, we're plowing the field for when the crisis comes up, when, when the crisis comes up, we can start to look at it as an opportunity. So there's a couple of different ideas around this. Um, this is my favorite, and I love Louise Hay, so that's saying a lot, but this is my favorite Louise Hay, Hay quote. How you start your day is how you're going to live your day, and how you live your day is how you're going to live your life. So I know everybody in here knows how important meditation is. We all know that. We've heard that in a million places, and now it's very trendy and cool, which is awesome because our planet needs that. But here's the thing. I'm not going to beat the meditation drum. If you're already doing it, I think couldn't be happier for you. And if you want to start it, I couldn't be happier for you. I super recommend it. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that if that feels like too big of a jump. And that's been my experience also. I go in and out of being very, very devoted to meditation. I'm get, trying to get back into it. But there are other things that you can do to set your intention for the day. And I believe that if it's too big of a jump to do the meditation, then let's pick something else. Because that's what I do as a coach. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to just say, here's, here's the problem when people are like, well, just do it. And then you come back, you're like, well, I'm not doing it. Well, just do it. If I could do it, I would be doing it. I'm seeing you because I need you to help me do it. So this is me suggesting something else. And here's some ideas. So if meditation is too big of a jump, there's prayer. There's a gratitude list. Uh, you could start with making the bed. You could start with a walk outside. You could just walk. You don't even have to walk outside. You could just walk outside and stand. Of course, there's meditation. You could do an affirmational read. I have two affirmational things that sit on my counter. I start my day with a big glass of water. And, and whatever, whatever of those things that you decide, you do it with intention. And, and as you do that, you link it to, this is how I'm starting my day. And if it's as simple as a big glass of water, that's so powerful because that's such an affirmation to life, to taking care of my body, to this is me. You, you know, it, it's me choosing something really healthy at the beginning of the day. There's a great, um, I'm going to email this to you guys this week because um, I think you'll like it. And I love this guy. He was here. I think you might have seen him, Jeannie. Um, maybe, maybe some of you, Dr. James Rouse was here a few years ago at the wellness. Did you see him, Bill? No, I see him every day on Facebook. You do? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about with this guy. This guy's awesome, James Ross. So I put his little thing in here, but he basically, he calls it a linchpin habit. So you pick a linchpin habit, and the linchpin is basically, it's the starter habit of all your habits. So it just starts your day rolling, you know? So if, and, um, and I, this, this doctor, he, I'll send you, he's got a 30-day program, and you just watch like two or three minutes of videos every day. It's really cool, but one of them is talking about this, and he's just such a motivating guy. You're just like, when I saw him here at the Wellness Festival, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, how I, this is who I want to be. I want to speak like this. He was so amazing. He walked around, and he's just on fire. He eats kale for breakfast. The guy's amazing. So, but he talks about these linchpin habits, and... Both the quotes that I have on here are talking about an hour of power, and that might feel overwhelming. And the big thing about any health change and setting the steering wheel is we don't have to get overwhelmed. We can always make it smaller. We can always break it down. Um, 
so the linchpin habit, he's the one that talks about making your bed. You know, there's a lot of people in recovery that'll talk about making their bed, and they're like, while you're making the bed, just hit your knees for two minutes while you're there. Okay? Just any type of surrender. One of the things that I've done in the past, and I'm in the process of, I've got kind of my morning routine, but I'm in the pro- I need to make it more intentional and more spiritual, and I'm with you. I, that's, I'm writing this. We're doing the homework. Um, but one of the things that I do is before I even get out of bed, before I even get out of bed, and this has been part of my recovery around my body image, I lay on my back, I feel the support, I usually have a dachshund here and here, so I do a little petting, and I go like this, and I just say, thank you God for this body, thank you for my body, thank you, thank you, thank you for my body. All the fat, all the wrinkles, the sore throat, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's such a great start to my day because that sets up the drink of water and that sets up the next thing and that sets up. So it could be as simple as that. So I put a little list in here, but oh my gosh, there's so many ideas. So just kind of start thinking about that. We're going to write down what we're going to do at the end because we're going to do some homework at the end. So that's coming. Um, so you can kind of think about that. And you know, um, another powerhouse, Tony Robbins, he talks about the same thing, like how you start your day. Like there's, there's all the motivational big, big wigs, how you start your day. And, and my point on this is that it's just, I go back to this Louise Hay quote all the time. How I start my day is how I live my day. So if we want to cultivate this knee-jerk reaction that something is an obstacle, okay, great, how am I supposed to grow here? We've got to start our day tuning in to spirituality. You know, another option um, just about um, connecting to a source, um, last year's wellness festival, it was all about coming from your heart. That's another that's another way of thinking of it. If the source energy isn't working, you could say, how can I connect to my heart? Because if we start to lead from our heart instead of from our, this is what I should do, this is what I, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe he did this, and I can't believe this is what's happening. If that doesn't come from our heart, that comes from our head. So if there's ways to tune into your heart, and I've got a couple of resources on that too. One of them is um, the movie Power of the Heart. If you haven't seen that, that's amazing. That's a great another thing so we all have our own path on this but though that anything that's going to connect you into your high vibration and set that for the day and then yes sometimes the train is going to go off the rails but we have a much better chance when we do that and if this is our linchpin habit and we make it a habit then even if the train goes completely off the rails, this is what I do when the train goes off the rails, which it did this weekend, and it did yesterday. The train went off the rails. This is what I say. When I finally get conscious again, oh, God, oh my God, I've been watching Netflix for five hours. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> There's other things to do. I'm conscious again. Then I say to myself, better luck tomorrow, because I know the next morning I'm starting over. It's a total reset. I don't have to be stuck. So the, and I don't like to waste any time during any day. Don't trust me. I don't like to have a bad day. But all you need is another morning to just restart when you've got these lunch pin habits, and that's super helpful. 
Because prior to recovery, I would get thrown for a week or two weeks or a month obsessing. So that's my number one how. Is we want to start with a high vibrational linchpin habit. And I'm sure everybody in here has habits already, right? So I do. I'm sure you got. So we're just going to add on because, right? Because we're not Tony Robbins yet or James Rouse yet, but we're awesome right where we are and we can always be. We can always do. There's always going to be room to be more connected to source. So we'll just add in another linchpin. We'll just add it in. So if you've got something that's working really well, Let's make it bigger. Let's make it stronger. Let's make it a higher vibration. Why not? Why not? Because we're awesome. Some of us have habits that aren't so good we'd like to get rid of. Perfect. So, perfect. I think one of, one of the really powerful ways to get rid of habits that aren't so good is not to focus on getting those rid of those, but to add in other ones. And then those will start to fade. And that has been my big experience with sugar. When I focus on taking sugar out, all I want is sugar. When I focus on drinking high quality water first thing in the morning, taking amino supplements that help stabilize my blood sugar, eating enough protein at breakfast, eating regular scheduled meals, eating enough greens and vegetables, I eat less sugar without trying. So let's talk more about some of the, let's, talk, let's go deeper into that when we do our writing because there may be, we may be able to come with, with some more specific things to add in to help with something. Or we could talk about that too, if we, in the group where we could do it. We, I might have ideas, I might not, but I might. Because I'm, I'm a big fan of putting things in. For me, I, the big thing to take out, and I keep threatening myself to do it, is no electronics in the bedroom. Mm. I can fall asleep with Facebook on, I can wake up and turn Facebook on. I love that. That's perfect. So let's, okay, so let's finish through this and then let's brainstorm some ideas and see if we can come up with some ideas and do like a little, let's see, let's see if we can figure this out. Let's see if we can do a little tweak because that's a huge thing, I think, and I get that. And that's a, that's a not, does anybody else have that? I, I have to be very careful about that. I can fall into that for sure. And I think that's really common. So I think that's a perfect, and I think that'll be really helpful. Okay, we're coming back to that when we get to the stuff. We all have our stuff, but I love that one. Okay, here's the second step. This is super important to me. And I think that this is going to resonate with people that are on the path of, I want to continually be growing. Okay? No spiritual bypassing. So, what that means is, even though we want to look at obstacles as opportunities and crisis as an opportunity to grow and a fringe benefit that we get to experience when we're present, even though we have to be real about what's going on, we can't skip it. Because when we skip it, what happens is that goes somewhere. And for some of us, that goes inside and gets repressed. That can manifest as pain, particularly headaches, back pain, knee pain, hip pain, sciatica. That can manifest as fatigue. That can pop up as um, checking out, needing to use substances, needing to be on screens. This stuff can pop up anywhere because if we aren't real 
about how we really feel and don't allow that experience, it goes somewhere. Depression. Depression, anger, um, bless you, bless you. Depression, anger, fear, um, anxiety, anything that we label as not good or a crisis or not. When I was in Mexico on retreat, we got to go and watch these little sea turtles get released. Oh my God, they're like this big. They're these little black, tiny, they, they're these little flippers. Oh my God, so cute. So we're going out there, they're doing all this stuff. This guy comes up on the four-wheeler, this really tall um, Mexican guy. Most of them are short, he was really tall. And he was like, no, can't do it today. You guys were supposed to come, blah, blah, blah. And the whole group was like, oh. And, and, and I mean, the turtles. And all of us, all of us, we're yogis, right? We're on retreat. We're all like, oh, okay, well, that's just fine. And our leader, Sylvia, who's awesome, she's like, okay. She's like, let's not spiritually bypass this. She's like, who's disappointed? You know, we all were. We were. She's like, be disappointed. It's okay. We don't have to get stuck there, but we have to acknowledge that we're disappointed, right? The big one for me is anger. I'm not angry. I'm fine. Okay. Right? I, I, I'm spiritual. You know, he blah, blah, blah. No. You need to feel it. You need to allow it. You need to acknowledge it. So it's tricky. And this is a really deep thing. And we're going to scratch the surface, barely. There's more work to be done. There's actually people that this is what they do for therapy, is they actually help people do this. But I just want to point out how important this is to get this on our radar. It's not being more spiritually fit to skip it even though it really feels like it should be. So, and it's tricky if you're someone who likes feeling good, has ever had any, you know, codependency or any, you know, out of balance stuff, like we want to feel good. So it's, it's very tempting to just be like, I yeah, I don't want to go through this. So there's a couple of points though that I will say that I found helpful even though this is not my area of expertise although I do know it's very important and I'm getting better and better at it because I've had to personally for my own pain levels um, number one is just don't judge it like okay and so one of the tools that helps me a ton with that is I just say wow you're angry <laughs> and Martha Beck talks about this tool where you actually kind of get outside your body and you just look, and other people have talked about this too, this she just happens to be the one I've heard it from the most, but you're kind of like the watch, she calls it the watcher. And on Friday, right before I got sick, I lost Lucky on the mountain. I couldn't find him. I was halfway up, I couldn't find him. Couldn't calling him, so he's, he's ruining my workout. No, it was all right, I wasn't that upset about that. I was a little tweaked. But I'm more like, oh my God, you know, I've got to get to work. What if I can't find him? What if I put my board together and I go down and he's above me and he can't hear me? Like I was literally stressing out. And I, I, and I was, cause I just, I could, I didn't have, I couldn't find him. This little tracker was, the battery had run out and I just, I was losing it. So I finally, I finally, thank you God, saw a little light. Cause I have a really bright light on him way down there. I'm like, okay, I 
threw my board together and I snowboarded down. But by the time I got to him, I was over the top mad, like so over the top mad. Let's go. I'm yelling at him. We're snowboarding down. And like he starts to veer off. I give him, I don't even give him the buzz. I give him the, sh I go, not a big shock, but I give him the zip. He's like, I'm like, we're going down. We get in the car. I yelled at him. Poor dog. Thank God he's a dog and not a person. I yelled at him the entire ride back. The entire. I rearranged my entire life around you. And you can't even stay. I'm digging up the because he was like pacing around he's like that's it for the workout I was like it's your own fault and as it was happening I all of a sudden was like okay wow but I I was able to like look at it and go wow wow, wow. seriously you're still going wow and it wasn't this judgmental like you shouldn't be going but it was like wow wow you're really mad and then I got back here and I was still mad. So I did a half an hour of yoga. And by the end of yoga, I apologized and gave him a big hug because I was like, I finally was able to realize that I was really scared more than I was mad. I was, he had really scared me. And I really, and then I also realized that I'm the human that needs to take responsibility and invest in a better tracking device, make sure everything's charged or whatever. Um, but it was great because if I would have just said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and not allowed that, I would have had the most gigantic headache on Saturday. Yeah. So that was progress. So that's just one example. And it's fine. Now, if that would have been a person, that wouldn't have been fine. I would have needed to wait with the yelling. I need to talk to you about this later. Done whatever, gone wherever I needed to go to yell. I can't, I've done this. Try being a parent. Right, no, yeah, so I know. I'm, believe me, I, God did not put children in my life They're for a reason. I'm not there. Parents. This life, I'm just not that evolved. Um, but that's basically just one idea. I'm set. Here's another one. Someone died that I knew from recovery on the mountain last weekend. And I heard about it in the meeting. I haven't seen her in years. But she was a really big part of my early sobriety, huge. And someone said that she passed in the meeting. I just started crying. Two years ago, someone was killed on a bike in town. And I had the same reaction. Two years ago when that happened, I, I was like, I didn't, I wasn't even, how, how am I having this reaction? I, I didn't even know her that well. Like, yes, it's very sad, but I couldn't stop crying. And all I did was judge myself for it. And just try to, you know, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Till I finally had a conversation with my friend who's a therapist. And she said, Angela, it doesn't matter if you knew her. If you're sad, you're sad. And I was like, but it just feels like I'm, you know, trying to be part of everybody who's mourning. And she's like, well, aren't you? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm not one of her good friends. She's like, so? And I was like, oh. And this time, two years later, this happened. I haven't seen her in years. I sat there and just cried the whole time. And I just kept saying to yourself, this is what it feels like to just be sad. You don't have to go eat a cookie, although I did later. But you didn't right away. This is what it feels like to be sad. This is what it feels like when someone that you used to really care about is gone and you're and it was interesting. So it's possible, is why I'm telling you this. And the big thing is to be curious. So 
one of my favorite questions is my friend who's the therapist, she's always like, isn't that interesting? <laughs> and that's what I was saying as I was driving back yelling at Lucky. I was like, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> you are really interesting right now. So you just observe it, you feel it, and you just allow it. And another tool for getting present with this is that you can start to kind of think, where am I feeling this? It, where am I feeling this sadness? Where am I feeling this anger? And then outside of that, you can also start to identify what else are you feeling? And we do this in yoga sometimes, and you can do this, but it doesn't have to be. I'm sitting on this box. It's a little hard. I can kind of feel it on my left ankle. My feet are just a teeny bit cold. My armpits are a little sweaty because I'm a little nervous. The rest of me feels pretty comfortable. I still, my throat feels a little, so you can just start identifying what, what's actually, what are the sensations that are happening? And that will help you land in your body and feel what you're feeling. So this is a really great thing to, to, to acknowledge, to do for the obstacles and opportunities. This is also super important tool for getting embodied. So anybody that's healing body image issues, weight issues, um, self-esteem issues, like owning and, and really being in your body can help heal that. And one way to be embodied is to really identify, I'm pulling my left shoulder blade up, my forehead is tense, I kind of have goosebumps, my neck's a little, you just start kind of, I, my legs are crossed, you just kind of start identifying. I'm sitting. It's, it's an interesting process and a lot of people have a hard time doing that. Like what are you really feeling? So. No spiritual bypassing. So we're awesome spiritual warriors, and we don't bypass. We go right through. And sometimes we get stuck. So the question begs, right, how long do I have to stay there? And the answer is, I have no idea. It just is going to depend on the situation, on who you are. We don't want to get stuck there. So the dose makes the poison, and we all have a different dose. Just like if we were all gonna sit here and just have a really awesome piece of fresh corn on the cob, mm -hmm. right? How much salt we put on would be different for all of us. But if we dumped the entire bottle on, it's not gonna enhance the corn. So we don't have to say, well, I'm not gonna do it at all because I can't use the whole bottle. That's the same idea. Like we don't need to get stuck in our anger. We don't need to get stuck in our fear stuck in our anxiety, stuck in our depression, when we realize we're stuck, that's when we're going to move on to step three. But we can't skip it. And it might not be long. It might not take long to be sad. It might take, not take, it took me about an hour <laughs> to be mad that time. I was lucky I had that time to do that. I was really lucky. And I would have, I hope I would have created the time later. And I don't know. I might have ended up with a headache because I might have forgotten to do it because I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering spiritual bypasser. Like this is in my, this is on, I'm in this. This is something that's very important to me right now. And I love this Eckhart Tolle. Don't take your thoughts too seriously. That's the last little tool I'm going to say about this is, um, you know, one of the things that we can get stuck on too is in, we know our thoughts are really powerful. So we want to choose good thoughts, but we're going to have thoughts. So we don't have to identify with every thought 
pull it out and anal analyze it and get down and dirty with it. We can just be like, oh, that's a thought. And that's the thing, because sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm jealous of her. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my spiritual program? I can't believe it, oh my God. Whereas if I just said, wow, I'm jealous of her, huh? And then I use Louise Hayes thing and say, well, that's for me. She's got a lot of clients, that's for me. She's got a hot new car, that's for me. And then it just, as long as I'm not gold plating it and hanging it on my wall, it can just move right through. And that's what I think that quote is talking about. And I love that idea too. So when I'm gold plating a thought and making it a big deal, I try to notice and then let it flow down the river of life. Okay, number three. So the how, we're on the third part. You put on a new pair of glasses. You get a new perspective. So I found, I've Googled cool glasses and that's the picture I came up with. <laughs> because I would wear those glasses. <laughs> I love that picture. I would, I love that. Um, we need to look at things through a different lens. So one more time, going back to the spiritual bypassing. When I was a kid, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist and one of the tools that they taught us was you're sad, well, you should just be grateful. Look what you have, this, this, and this. So I was like, oh, I shouldn't be sad. I should just be grateful. So that's part of the reason why the spiritual bypassing is on there. We need a new pair of glasses and we need a new perspective, but we don't skip, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling disappointed. When I was gonna lose the gym, I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling midlife crisis coming on. <laughs> but once you've decided that you're felt it and you need a new pair of glasses, one of the things you can do, I'm starting at the bottom, is you can make a gratitude list. So one of the things that I did this weekend, as I was feeling really sorry for myself, not being able to do anything fun and actually being in a ball curled up, is I kept thinking, I am so thankful this isn't my life. And I have an entirely new respect for my friend Danny who died of cancer, who went through that feeling every day for literally years. And I just sent her love wherever she is. I sent her husband Aaron love, and I just gave me a new perspective for a little bit. Because I knew I was coming out of it. You wait for it to pass. That's another great way to put on a new pair of glasses. I haven't been feeling well. I've been really crabby today. So I say to Rob, I'm really sorry I'm crabby. And I'm also not having a major heart-to-heart -heart talk about anything that needs to be decided between us today or making any decisions with clients. I had a mishap with my yoga private. I'm not having a conversation about it today. I'm gonna wait till I have a new pair of glasses and I don't have I have, I'm too tired to put them on today around that. So we're just gonna wait. So there's nothing wrong with waiting. You know, we live in this day and age where everything needs to be fixed and don't go to bed angry and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm not a huge fan of going to bed angry, but guess what? Going to bed angry has saved our marriage <laughs> because we need time for it to pass before we can sit down and communicate. And hopefully at some point we'll just be able to be like, I love you anyway, and go to bed. We're not quite there, 
but better to let it wait. If you're in the heat, if you're exhausted, if you're hungry, if you're, you know, what's going on? If you're sick, if you know, wait. So that's, that's a different perspective. Like, don't make it easy. I'm going to lose the gym. I've got to figure it out right now. No, I don't. I can just wait. I can put on some glasses and wait for a new perspective. It may not come immediately. I have to wait for the morning for the sun to come out. Um, I don't know why I started at the bottom, but we're going up from the bottom. Ask yourself what the bigger lesson is. So after we've done the feeling, there's often a bigger purpose. And when you're in it, it's sometimes really hard to see. The, seeing what's happened from my three big crises has been much easier after I got through them. And just as a side note, when you know someone who's in it, you may not want to mention this stuff to them unless they're asking you because when you're in it, it's hard to hear it. And you may be in that state when you're in it where you just have to wait. That, that was definitely what happened to me when I was sick. Like I had people saying to me, you have to accept this. You may have to live with this the rest of your life. And I was like, listen, I'm living with it today because I'm not out of trying I'm not out of ideas to try new things, but don't ever tell me that I have to accept this for the rest of my life because that's not something that I can hear right now. I'm in too much pain. And they were like, oh. But I said, but for today, I'm here and I'm accepting that I have an ice pack on for you know, the 30th day in a row. So what do you need to learn? What is it teaching you? And I definitely, it, it comes at different points in our crisis, in our obstacle. It'll come at different points, depending on where you are with it. I've had, when I got sick, it changed the way I worked for the rest of my life. I'll never work the way I worked before I got sick again. I was a complete and total workaholic, in recovery, but not getting it. It taught me how to surrender, because I didn't have a choice. When I had a choice, I couldn't do it no matter how hard I prayed and no matter how bad, how bad I wanted it. That was how the universe showed me that I can actually miss being here at the gym and life would go on. And it's interesting because I have friends that are like that. Life isn't going to go on if I don't show up for work. And I'm like, don't put that out there because I definitely put that out there. And trust me, it does go on. And you won't like the way this is the universe stuff. Just saying. Um, to show trust in the universe by going on with your life anyway to show up to what's next so one of the things that happened with the financial crisis that I had I just said okay I'm going to just show up for work I'm going to show up I'm going to be the best trainer that I can be I'm going to do the next indicated thing that was it that was how I was showing the universe that I was trusting I just kept unlocking the door it was still here the lights were still on and just kept showing up. And that's one way. Because I do, you know, it's great when people give us these ideas, like just let it go. Like how do you do that? Or I, something like, I, as I wrote this out, just trust the universe. Like, well, how do you do that? You trust by you show up with your best self to whatever's next. Not trusting would be stressing out about it, trying to figure it out, overworking, manipulating, not resting, not playing, mm -hmm. that would be not trusting, right? So trusting would be showing up 
and having your balanced life anyway. That's one example of that. Um, read a book about someone else's experience. People love to write about crisis. I mean, look at how many memoirs there are about people who've gotten sober. It's, it's unbelievable. There's somebody that's had the experience that you're having and walked through it. I know it. There's so many wonderful books out there. One book, if you're really in the thick of something, that I actually <clears throat> I was really sick for an entire year. I saw eight doctors before I had a complete meltdown and decided I was going to kill myself. So in my incredibly healthy state, I came to the gym with the dogs in the car. Rob was working. So this is really one of my stellar moments. I walk, walk in. He can't do anything because he's with a client. I say, I'm leaving, and I'm not coming back until I'm better. No. He's like, okay. But this is after a year of eight doctors and me not you know, being in and out of the ER. Major health crisis. I walk out to the car, I get in the car, my big plan is to drive to Boise, drink, see my sister and kill myself. That's my big plan. I'm in the car, God sends an angel to one of my therapist friends who knew what was going on. She calls me, she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm, at, I'm done. She's like, will you go to LA and see the specialist? And I go, yeah. She goes, if you can get me in, she goes, keep your phone on. I'm driving to Boise. She calls me back 10 minutes later. She's like, you have an appointment on Monday. You can stay at my house, keep driving. She saved my life, literally. I get to her house. I see this specialist. I go into her bedroom. There's a book on the side of the bedroom table, and it's called Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser. Saved my life. She saved my life, and then the book saved my life. The book is all about people who have gone through shit, death of children, divorces, cancer, death of a spouse, loss of limbs. It's an unbelievable book. But guess what? At that point, I was at another level of surrender and I was ready. To, I was ready. And the universe put it right there. So there's definitely, if you need it, you put it out there, it will, you will find it. You will find what you're looking for. So if you feel like you're the only one Go ahead and feel that and don't spiritually bypass. And then when you're ready, you're not. You're just not. There's other people and you'll find it if you need it. And if you can't find it, you ask one of your friends to help you find it because they can find it for sure. There's just way too, we live in the age of information. That's right. We live in, and it's so available. You wouldn't even have to buy a book. You could have it on Kindle or on a podcast. Not in my bedroom. Not in your bedroom. Not on Facebook, people. Okay, you could talk it through with someone safe, therapist, friend, partner, safe. Someone who's on the same path. You don't want to talk it through with Joe Blow. You're doing, you know, you're doing fine. Someone that can listen and acknowledge this is hard and not try to fix it. They don't need to fix it for you. They can offer suggestions, but we're not broken. We don't need it fixed. We need someone to help us get perspective, and then we walk through it. Um, you know, for me, time outside always puts on a different pair of glasses, and I really forgot about this until I got lucky. And I've had some issues with Rob 
around Lucky because I adopted a plot hound without asking him. And my three dogs that live at home don't like him and he's expensive and he almost, he really hurt one of my dogs, which Rob, you know, so Rob was a little upset. I don't know why. And so I had to do some time outside with him ranting and raving. I can't believe he won't just accept what I want. Until I finally got the glasses that were like, oh my God, I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask, you know, go home. I didn't even ask. I'm really sorry, you know, but it took time outside. I couldn't just get there. So time outside is powerful. Walking, I think, is the best. I think walking is the best because you don't have to be paying attention too much, right? You're running. You better make sure you got to watch. You're biking. Anything that works is good, of course, but walking and especially here, right? We're so lucky. And then, of course, meditation and prayer. You know, we, Marianne Williams says this, we just don't ask enough. Like, we have this amazing resource. We don't ask. And then once we do ask, we aren't willing to sit and listen. So when I meditate now, one of the things that I do is I breathe in. I think about 8,000 things. Then there's a little pause, and I think, I'm listening. And then I exhale and I think about eight million other things. And at the end, there's a little pause and I go, oh, but I'm listening. And then I repeat, because at the in inhale, at the pause, that's where I believe I'm going to get my information. And meditation works anyway. Like even if you're terrible at it, like I am, it still works. But you have to be willing to listen. And it has to be your intention. Like when I sit down to meditate, I say, I want to hear even though it doesn't seem like it. Because <laughs> I'm thinking about breakfast and the gym and the dog and Rob. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to. My intention is that I listen. And that's all that matters. Okay. Well, that was that. Tuesday night. Obstacles are really opportunities. I hope you all are fired up. If you're still following along with your sheets, we definitely have the last sheet, which is your homework for the week. This week, commit to and practice this new linchpin habit. So you're going back to step one. Commit to something. Put it out there to us on Twitter. Put it out there to your best friend. Write it down and just put it up there on your mirror at your home. Be accountable to yourself, but go deeper. Even if you have some great linchpin habits, make them more uh, intentional towards having a very solid spiritual practice or towards being guided by your heart or whatever's going to make you feel connected so you can start to cultivate this rich, fertile ground for you for the next time an obstacle or crisis comes up you can start to work through the process of making it into oh isn't this a great opportunity i hope this was helpful i'll be back next week uh we're going to talk about embracing the feminine we've talked about that on this podcast before and we're doing it again my friends have a great week reach out let me know what you think of this new format Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, 
One last thing. Hannah always reminds me of this, and I just barely remembered. You can find me at Angela's Gym. That's my Twitter, at Angela's Gym, or Angela's Gym on Facebook, or Angela's Gym on Instagram, or my website is goingtoangelas.com. And in fact, um, you need to sign up for my email. That'll get you to the sheets, which is, yeah, which hopefully you already did. So there. Okay. Have a great week. Bye.